The views, comments, stories, and opinions shared within this podcast are my own or those of my guests, and in no way represent the views of the company or companies that I or we work for. All stories, events, and tales shared within this episode may or may not have happened in the manner in which they are told. They may or may not have even happened at all. The details have been changed to protect the innocent and the guilty alike. This is Squawk Identity. You're listening to Squawk Ident, an aviation podcast dedicated to the journey and the challenges surrounding the life and career of Aviator Tony, his co-hosts, and his guests. Together, we will explore the many pathways to an aviation profession, the realities of what a professional aviator can expect in today's marketplace, and we share many stories along the way. I'm your host, Aviator Tony, an airline pilot currently flying for a legacy airline with close to 20 years on the flight line. This is episode 53 of Squawk Iden, recorded on the 21st of August, 2020, from the Aviator Mobile Sound Studios from the fourth floor of the Doubletree Hotel in Orlando, Florida. On today's show, we're going to be discussing everything from Happy Furlough Friday to the FedEx emergency landing that happened in Los Angeles International just the other morning. Uh, Luckily, uh, no one was injured in that uh, process, and we're going to discuss a little bit about that a little later in the show. We're also going to talk about brawls on board aircraft, how they've been hitting the headlines and the Twitter feeds more and more frequently nowadays, and that is to be expected with everything that's going on. We'll also talk a little bit about professionalism in the cockpit and two advisory circulars that the FAA has recently published. All that and more on this, the 53rd episode of Squawk Ident. I would also like to take this opportunity to thank Jonathan Gruber and Rob D for joining us on episode 52, Race, Fly, Build, which is now available anywhere you listen to podcasts and on our website at www.aviatortony.com. That's Alpha Victor, the number eight, Romeo Tango, Oscar November Yankee.com. You can also view John's Lancer Legacy Build on our YouTube page. The links will be provided in the show notes and also on the website. You can also follow John on Instagram at Lancer underscore legacy where he's chronicling vlogs of his Lancer Legacy build. Since our last episode, it would be a gross understatement to say that Captain Roger, Rob D, and I have all been very busy. Roger has had a full schedule, and he has been flying the box in the King Air Simulator with a backlog of clients. Never a dull moment when juggling the demands of a family, an aviation career, and the pandemic proportions of at-home child education. Our hat's off to you, Roger, and we look forward to having you again on the show here real soon. Rob D. has also had a full schedule of flying, primarily day trips out of his home base of DFW. Rob will be joining us a little later in the show as he's currently at his AME's office receiving his FAA first-class flight physical. We'll ask him how that went a little bit later in the show. And as for myself, well... To say that uh, I've been busy is also an understatement. Since our last show, I have chronicled 12 flights. That's two deadheads, seven hotels, six landings that I performed, one return to gate, one reassignment trip, four MELs, 
for the total number of mileage flown. Since our last show, by myself, Aviator Tony, we're looking at 12,624 nautical miles flown. Yeah, it's been busy. So, that's been going on. Plus, it's been a plethora of emails, text messages, group chats, and phone calls all relating to the dreaded furlough. Today marks Happy Furlough Friday at Legacy Airlines, where most of the individuals that received warn letters from the company are supposed to be receiving phone calls from the union today to, to find out if they've been furloughed or not. Now, we talked about the stimulus package that potentially was going to be extended. Congress could not agree upon a package because of uh, constant earmarks that were putting that were being placed upon it. And unfortunately, the CARES Act did not get extended yet. However, the union, the company, and all those that I've spoken with in the past few days have agreed that it is only a matter of time because it makes fiscal and economic sense to extend that care package. So when Congress returns from their little break, and why would you take a break during a pandemic? I mean, but fine. When they return, hopefully we'll find out. And it'll take a few days because it has to pass through the Senate, through the Congress, and it has to also pass through the presidential desk. So once those signatures are received, hopefully that'll negate the need to furlough in just a few weeks. That's what's been going on in our industry, at least in the past few weeks. So yeah, it's been a little busy. How's your week been going? We'd love to hear about it. Send us a DM, an email. You can do that directly from the contact us page on our website. And we'd like to hear about the struggles that you've been going through as our loyal listeners. We love to hear it. And what's that? Oh, it looks like Rob is joining us. And here he is, back from his FAA poking and prodding with a fresh EKG in hand. He's a former international and professional racquetball champion, a member of the 9G Club, an AMP and avionics tech, an RC aircraft commander, a 737 pilot for Legacy Airlines, and joining us from his fortress of isolation from somewhere in Flower Mound, Texas. Help me in welcoming back to the show, Rob D. Rob, what's going on, man? Hey, what's up, buddy? It's good to be back. Uh, man, yeah, it's been a lot going on. My life, your life, career, everything. It's a crazy situation. Uh, 2020 has been just a, 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 a nuts year, and I can't wait to get all this stuff past me and moving on. Oh, God, yeah, for sure. I mean, the, the good thing about all of this at least for myself, and I can only speak for myself, is the fact that I'm flying. I'm flying quite a bit. Um, yeah, and it keeps me, me busy, you know. Um, like I mentioned in the, in the intro to the show, I mean, uh, two deadheads, seven hotels, 12 flights, yeah. in, in a matter of not even two weeks. It's, it's been crazy. It's been cr- kind of crazy to think that, you know, all the work that I've been doing and they need to fur- furlough me. Like I'm doing, I'm flying 90 hours this month. Yeah. And for some reason they don't need my work. Uh, yeah. <laughs> just I, seems, uh, doesn't seem right. Yeah. I had a, I was, originally I was supposed to do uh, a Lahui uh, overnight and that got canceled kind of early in the month. 
So I thought, well, you know, the, they're canceling these these flights and I'm probably just going to sit at home because they probably won't have much flying for me and whatnot. Well, no, I was reassigned, <laughs> you know, so they, they sent me, yeah. they, they called me and said, hey, yeah, we, we have a recovery, recovery obligation is what they're calling it here at Legacy. And so, yeah, you're reassigned, you're going to do a flight. And it, it was a busy flight. And yeah, it got done the same day with my original flight was supposed to be. Yeah. But it, it turned into, you know, two back-to-back trips the first week and then two back-to-back trips the second week with red eyes and cancellations and deadheads and reassignments. And I'm thinking, oh, yeah. wow, we're really busy for, for the fact that being on the chopping potentially block. we got 2,500 pilots on the street in a few weeks. I know. <laughs> it's crazy. crazy. I, I've been in the same situation. I had three trips that were uh, canceled. Uh, or as we call it in, internally in our uh, legacy airline industry, XR'd. Yeah. And um, so I was RO'd, which, you know, I don't know if most people know, but, you know, it stands for recovery, recovery obligation. So I was assigned recovery flying um, over the two of the three trips. Um, oh. Luckily, I was able to pick up some extra flying outside of that to kind of boost the uh, boost the numbers, but what it also did is it put me over the uh, the maximum that I could fly for the month, so they couldn't add me add another trip on for the recovery obligation for one of the trips. Excellent. So Absolutely. I'm still busting my Excellent. butt, you know, all over the country flying a lot. Uh, but yeah, it's just crazy how much time I'm flying, and to to know that, you know, it's just we still need to cut 2,500. You know, the, in, in the next 24 hours, we'll know more, uh, at least here at Legacy, um, what's happening. Uh, that, it could, like I said, it could all go away here with a couple signatures from, our, from Congress and, and from the president, and, and hopefully this will be a, a, a no-brainer because, like we've mentioned before in previous episodes, it's a big deal. It, it is. is. It's a big deal. It's going to, it's going to cripple the economy in, in a way I think most people don't realize. It's not just pilots. It's flight attendants. It's, it's rampers. Oh. It's uh, fuelers. It's aircraft well, cleaning services. I mean, it's, it's airport electricians, like, uh, airport maintenance staff. I mean, it's all yeah. connected. It's so, huge. Yeah. Well, just think of what's coming up, too. You know, we're getting ready to uh, get into the fall and getting into the holidays and stuff like that. And if, you know, all these employees don't have jobs, uh, you know, they're not going to be spending a lot of money for, uh, for the holidays. So there goes, you know, that part of the eco- economic uh, uh, equation that's also going to tank. Right. So it, it's, it's far reaching. Like I said before, it, it's going to affect a lot of industries. Yeah. It, it, you know, if our, you know, if our industry starts laying off, and I also think it, it signals a uh, kind of an economic um, s- uh, signal to, uh, you know, to the world that, you know, things aren't going so well if the airlines are laying off that many people, you know, so. Yeah. So, and, and it's not just the employees in the industry that are feeling the, the stress involved, the anxiety, the, the pressure from the uncertainty of employment, the uncertainty of what's going on. Right now, people are flying. And, and I know we've talked about this. Um, our, our flights have been relatively full. 
which is yep. great, great news for us. I mean, we, we want to see the airlines succeed because we, you know, that's our livelihood. Um, but people are traveling. People are traveling yep. and they're taking advantage of these low cost tickets. Um, and of course, it's creating a little bit of tension. Um, sure. And just recently, this led to uh, an altercation on an American Airlines flight, which is relatively rare to see. Um, I mean, we've seen this in the media over the past few months happening at some ultra low cost carriers. And it's unfortunate when these altercations happen. Most of the time they happen at the gate dealing with, you know, uh, delays and things like that. People are just, they're on thin ice. Their emotions, they're, 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 they're agitated. Everybody's on edge. But this time it happened on an airplane on American Airlines, on a flight from Las Vegas to Charlotte uh, just a few days ago. So in an article from Fox News published on the 19th, brawl breaks out on American Airlines plane when passenger refuses to follow face covering policy. Now, this kind of altercations and issues, um, we've dealt with them already uh, at Legacy Airlines. And, And I'm sure every airline out there is dealing with people pushing back, not wanting to wear a face mask. And I and I get it. I get it, but right yeah. now, right now, that's what we need to do, and so we follow the protocol because if yeah. it makes everybody, at minimum, if it makes everybody feel better and safe, then we're going to do it. And if you refuse to do it because you have, you know, your supposed rights, then that's fine. You have a right not to wear a mask. You also have a right sure. not to fly on my airplane. But hey, that's that's my call or or the company's call. But here in this article, uh, footage appeared online that shows a fight breaking out between passengers and an American Airlines on an American Airlines flight as it was waiting to depart from Las Vegas to Charlotte. According to reports, the incident was sparked over one traveler refusing to comply with the airline's face covering. Now, we know that when this kind of thing happens, but while it's happening, within seconds, it's going to end up online. Yep. That's just the culture, the society that we live in. Everybody has a cell phone that can stream online instantaneously. Most of my captains have incorporated something to do with social media in their airline briefings. So when the crew gets together, they get on the airplane, it is required that the captain performs a crew briefing. Okay, usually it's happening before passengers start boarding. And uh, time permitting, they'll, he'll get together or she'll get together with either the purser or all the flight attendants, which is... I think the better way to do it so that everyone's in the loop Um, and and they give a briefing and they say, okay, today's flight. This is, this, everything's working or this is what's not, this is what is not working on the airplane. And, uh, and so they'll talk about the weather, anticipated turbulence or whatever, and any passengers that need special attention, all that is briefed so that everybody on the aircraft in terms of the crew knows what's going on. And I've noticed that lately the captain has been incorporating, I don't want to end up on YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, anyone pulls out their phone and starts, it is not okay. We're tell you, we'll put right now, put your foot down. It's not okay. Um, have them, if anyone starts recording, do your best to have them delete it. Uh, and if they don't comply with your instructions, you're federally protected. We'll just have them removed from the flight. So... We've, uh, we've incorporated this because it's going to end up on social media. And this is exactly what happened here. A woman by the name of Carolyn Ross, uh, I love her handle, at Super Sassy Mama, 
uh, she posted on Twitter as it was happening. And I'll put a link in the show notes so that the, the listeners can, can take a look at the footage. Um, and unfortunately, you know, tensions flared up. And because of the social distancing practices and the mask wearing and the mask shaming, as we've talked about, a passenger from the flight refused to follow the airline face mask policy after boarding the aircraft, and when they were asked to leave the plane, the traveler reportedly became disruptive, and an altercation with other passengers broke out. Now, altercations is a soft word. This is an all-out yeah. flight club, man. <laughs> yeah, it sure was, man. It looked like the underground flight club going on <laughs> yeah. in the airplane. <laughs> you know, and unfortunately, we're going we're gonna to see this happening, I think, a little more and more. As time goes on, because tensions are high and people are just, they're tired. Yeah. I'm, I'm tired. Yeah. I, I'm tired. Yeah, it's, it's tough. I mean, you said you had a deadhead a few times, and I, I had a deadhead maybe once or twice. And I got to tell you, sitting back there with a mask on the entire time, it's tough. It's tough. And, and you know, if it's hot outside or if you're, uh, you know, you already have a breathing problem or sniffles or, you know, uh, like allergies or stuff. That mask just agitates everything, you know? And, uh, oh man, it's, it's, I, I, I gotta tell you, I've been taking a couple breaks in there, you know, pulling it down or always having a drink in hand to have something to sip on, just kind of give yourself a break. But jeez, man, you know, the wear at the whole flight and, 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 uh, I could see these, uh, these passengers just fed up with it. And, oh, man, yeah, it, it's happening at other airlines, too. By all means, ladies and gentlemen, keep calm, carry on. Yeah. <laughs> you know, just we're all in this together. If you are having a hard time, don't fly. If you're stressed out, anxiety is an issue, you're, you're afraid to fly, you don't have to fly, don't fly. Now, I hate to say that because I want people to fly, and the TSA numbers have been very good lately, but yep. we reached an all-time record recently of eight, 860,000 through the TSA. Yeah, I saw the report. number. I don't know the exact number, but yeah. it was in the 800,000s, and it was the highest one. It's the highest one since the yeah. pandemic, but the following two days dropped back down to 530 and 520,000 passengers yeah. going through TSA checkpoints. But if you look at the numbers from last year versus this year, it's remaining also, consistent. It's at 25%. So, yeah. you know, to, to hear airlines stats that say, oh, well, we're at 80% capacity and all this stuff of the flights that are actually flying. But you yeah. have to look at the total numbers. And through the TSA checkpoints, we're only still at 25% of flying public from last year to this year. Right. So we got a long way to go, ladies and gentlemen, a long way. Yeah. But throughout all of this, we still have to maintain our professionalism because, as you know, shit happens and yeah. emergencies happen. Did you see this uh, FedEx uh, emergency gear up at LAX? I, I saw pictures of it and I didn't get a chance to read the article. Um, so I was curious to what happened. It looked like it was a 767. Mm -hmm. and, and from the picture, it looks like the left main gear collapsed. Yeah. Yep. So they were having an issue uh, with their left main landing gear. Uh, they tried everything they could. They did their procedures, the, the manual extension, nothing worked. So they ended up declaring an emergency and they ended up uh, 
landing around 3.50 in the morning. Uh, wow. Just the other morning uh, in LAX. I had just finished a flight that evening before. So this happened about four hours after I had left the airport for the day uh, to go home and, and repack and get ready for this trip that I'm on today. Um, but yeah, FedEx flight uh, 1026, a Boeing 767, could not extend the left main landing gear before touching down at around 4.50 in the morning after a flight from Newark Liberty International Airport, said Ian Greger, a spokesperson from the FAA. One of the two pilots on board sustained a non-life-threatening leg injury while exiting the aircraft, according to Stewart, and the other pilot was not injured. FedEx said in a statement uh, that uh, company officials are working with investigators to fully understand the matter. We are grateful for our flight crew, that our flight crew is safe and that no one was seriously injured, the company added. Uh, The FAA, obviously, and the NTSB are going to conduct an investigation. Uh, The runway was closed. As a matter of fact, when I departed yesterday morning, um, we we took off. The sun wasn't up yet. It was a 6 a.m. or 5.30 a.m. kickoff. And the airplane was still there. Yeah. Uh, and it was there. I believe the runway was closed uh, throughout the time. However, by the time I saw the aircraft, uh, it, it, it already was extended. Uh, the landing gear was, re- was lowered and the aircraft was sitting on all three. And I think what they did, and, and I'm not sure, but I believe they used some kind of lift device or a crane to lift up the airplane to extend the gear uh, yeah. from, you know, manually or mechanically. And then once the gear was secured, with gear pins, I'm sure. Um, yeah. Then the aircraft was settled back down, and yeah. you know they they're conducting their investigation to see what's going on. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that runway was closed. The airplane was there. Uh, we ended up taking yeah. off on two five left instead of two five right. Uh, wow. This two five right is is currently closed, or at least it was yesterday. I don't know what the deal. Yeah, is today. just I'm just like going through my head, just thinking back to my uh, maintenance days, and just you know everything that we do on our walk arounds around the airplane. And I believe the way a lot of these landing gear systems work is the, uh, they have a over center locks that are basically really, really high tension springs that, that keep that, uh, uh, that lock, uh, in position. And, uh, I think uh, when we were at Sandpiper, there was an issue with nose landing gear springs breaking. Uh, it was a long time ago. So I, I may be, maybe getting my stories crossed, but basically uh, they're not supposed to be due to inspections, but, you know, occasionally those springs can break. And um, when they do, they, the landing gear won't go, but it, it'll extend, but it will not lock in place. Uh. So the proximity switches won't sense that they're in, in position. So they'll get a, um, a, a, a gear indication. Uh, unsafe gear indication on that particular side. So I, I don't know if that's what happened with this plane, but uh, just judging by how it at all ended up, it kind of sounds like that's what it was. But you never know. Right? It'd be kind of interesting to hear what the NTSB says. Yeah, yeah. And I'll be keeping an eye on it as well because it is my home airport. So Yeah, um, yeah. And yeah. if you look, all the airplanes at least have two of those springs. So one, you know, one's for a backup in case the other one breaks, but yeah. you know, there's an issue Yeah, outside so, of all that stuff could have been something that 
kept it from coming down. Yeah. And I, and this article that I just uh, quoted was from abc7.com. I'll put a link in the show notes. There is a very good video on YouTube. Uh, Someone was able, probably from flight operations, was able to record the entire landing, the touchdown. And I got my hats off to those pilots on centerline all the way to a complete stop. Great job. Just a phenomenal job. Yeah, I was going to comment on that. I said I, I saw the picture in it, and judging by just the picture, the snapshot, those looks like those guys did a stellar job. Just imagine flying all night across the country. I mean, obviously you got to be well rested. We're checking all well rested and everything, but still, I mean, that's a red eye going all the way across the country, and then have to deal with that at the end of your trip. Um, you know, for for the situation, it looks like those guys did a great job. You know, I'm glad nobody was seriously hurt. Yeah. Um, sounds like somebody did get some injuries, but. Uh, Sounds like they're going to be all right. And, you know, God bless those guys. You know, that's why they're professionals. Glad yeah. they're up there. Yeah. And, and from the post um, photos and video and from what I saw as we were rotating, and I had the perfect view from my side of the cockpit as we were rotating on 2-5 left, um, you could see all the men and equipment uh, working out there. Um, yeah. It doesn't look like they, they pulled the slides. So if they egressed, I think they egressed from the cockpit uh, exit, which means there's a... Escape rope, maybe. Uh, in the 7.6, if I remember correctly, I do have some time sitting in the jump seat of a 7.6, and there's a harness that you put in. It's almost like a tension rope, and it's got... It's, you don't just climb down a rope because that, that cockpit's really high. So yeah. I believe it's like a kind of like a loop that you put around your arms, and you jump out, and, and it's a tensioned rope. And you're going to come down pretty hard. And you got to be prepared on the landing. Because on the landing, if you don't kind of bend your knees and roll with it, it's, it's not going to slow you down enough to where it's a nice, gentle you know, oh, gotcha. landing. Yeah. You know, this rope is it's a, kind of a, like a bungee cord. So got it. if I remember correctly, and if anybody out there you know, has better data on this because I've never been typed in a seven, six. Uh, um, I'm going to inquire to confirm the information here because I do have some friends that do fly that. Um, but I believe it's a, it's like a bungee rope cool. and you jump out and when you land, that's probably softens the landing. Yeah. But that's probably how that FO got injured. Um, sure. is egressing the aircraft from the cockpit, Yeah, but I'm speculating. I, I have no idea, but yeah. When you put all the puzzle pieces together, that's, I think, what it sounds like. So, you know, what's been going on? Uh, has, has the conversation been any different last few weeks in the cockpit that you've noticed? Um, yeah, you know, every guy, every guy that I've flown with, um, guy or gal, honestly, sorry, <laughs> uh, flew, flew with uh, one female in the past, uh, past couple trips. And it was a Czech airman, by the way, so that was pretty fun. Uh, yeah, the conversation has been uh, more geared towards, you know, the, the current state of affairs, uh, particularly with the, uh, you know, looming furloughs and layoffs. Uh, you know, and, and a lot of these uh, captains that I fly with, they, they don't, they seem to think that it's not going to be 2,500. Uh, but, you know, I'm, I always say to myself, anytime I I hear that, you know, it's just, they're just speculating. They don't know as much from the next guy. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm fully prepared for the full 2,500 to be furloughed. I, I don't, um, 
you know, I, hopefully that doesn't happen. Hopefully they don't do any furloughs. Um, but the, the conversation is very, very uh, focused on, you know, what they could have, should have done. Or, um, you know, when I was furloughed back in the day, because a lot of the guys that we're flying with now are, you know, are, are children of the lost 10 years, you know, at the airline. And they were, a lot of them were furloughed themselves. And, uh, you know, so I asked them, Hey, what, you know, what do you guys do when you were furloughed? And some guys had, you know, military jobs to fall back on with, whether they're in the guard or reserve. Some people went to go fly for private ent- entities and some people, uh, um, you know, started up their own business and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, it's just part of the, part of the down cycle of our industry. It's cyclical, yeah. right? Yeah. Every, it every always has 10 been. years. Yeah. Yep. You know, and, and uh, since you mentioned the furloughs and, and the conversation, I was able to have a conversation with our friends from Iceland, the Vikings. Oh, cool. uh, yeah. So I talked What's to Sibby, uh, and I said, well, whatever happened with this uh, cabin safety officer? What, what yeah. transpired? Are you serving drinks? What's going on? <laughs> and he right. says, no, that never happened. The, and I never saw a follow-up here in the United States with, a, with an article explaining exactly what has transpired i we remember talking about and reading articles about iceland air firing all of their flight attendants and having the pilots be these cabin safety officers so that you know they're trained in the cabin to arm doors and evac the aircraft and um you know and stuff like that and they were going to furlough pilots which they did and they said, well, you come back and you can become a cabin safety officer. We'll pay you. And, and then when we recall you, you go back to sitting in the cockpit. And, and this was a huge, like, discussion. I go, really? We can't do this. We're going to set a precedence. We can't do this. Well, it never happened. And as a matter of fact, the whole thing was a ploy from management of that company uh, to uh, basically get what they wanted in the contract from the flight attendants. So, yeah, it never happened. The, the, the new contract is now, I don't know if it was signed yet, but it's being written, and the flight attendants are back doing their duties. At least when they regain the flying, that's exactly what's going to happen. So it was, it was all a strategy. Yeah, wow. Yeah, I guess that's why it didn't make the, the headline news over here in the, in the States, because nothing really came of it. <laughs> yeah. It was all hype. Well, since our last episode, many of us in the airline industry have had a tremendous amount of pressure placed upon the stability of our careers due to the continued reduction of flying around the world. Every day, U.S. pilots have questions posed upon us that we do not really have clear answers to. Questions such as, how will a furlough affect me and my fellow pilots? Will I get displaced off my equipment or base? How long can I expect to be on the street if a furlough happens to me? How am I going to pay the mortgage or the rent? Who the heck is going to hire me if I lose my flying job? Do I have to start all over again? Can I get hired somewhere else? Can I flight instruct while I'm on furlough? You know, is it smarter to take a zero or reduced flying option in lieu of a furlough, or should I collect unemployment? Can I even get on unemployment with the backlog of, of the millions of people that are currently trying to get unemployment and still haven't received a check? The stress levels among pilots these days that, you know, and everything that they're dealing with and these questions 
that they get asked every day, I mean, it's all just incalculable. But that's what pilots are good at, right? Handling stressful situations with calm and professionalism. That is at least what is expected of us on the flight deck, right? All of us can really do at this point is take each day as it comes and continue to move forward with our careers. The TSA throughput numbers have been very stagnant, although we have seen a few record numbers this past week at the daily totals of total number of passengers passing through TSA checkpoints since the pandemic started. However, the gains have not been as high as we have hoped. What this means is much slower return to pre-pandemic flight schedules and career progression as we have hoped for. You know, these are just a few of the topics that we've been discussing, as we mentioned. And over the past two weeks, I've had the opportunity to speak with many an aviator. And it's been very hard to stay focused. Rob, how have you been staying focused? Well, I've been keeping myself busy. That's one thing. I'm just trying to uh, keep myself, uh, for lack of a better term, distracted from the situation. Um, I've been, um, you know... <laughs> As you all know from my previous uh, from our previous episodes, I do have a boat, a new boat. So we've been uh, taking full advantage of that on our on the good days out here. And um, I also bought a drone. Um, so you know, everybody knows that I'm an RC modeler, fly a lot of RC airplanes, and um, I recently purchased a uh, uh, a drone, and I plan on using it to uh, get into aviation or aerial photography. So I've been flying that around quite a bit, trying to um, get some good pictures out there and try to perfect my skill and 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 uh, turn it into maybe a side job or a profession somewhere down the road. Uh, you know, I got my drone pilot's license or, or remote operator certificate, as the FAA calls it. So um, that's something that I've been using to um, uh, kind of uh, get through the stress and, and everything. I, but you know, the first couple days when when the news came out, I got to tell you. I mean, if you ask my wife, I mean, she'll tell you that I was I was miserable to be around because uh, I yeah I was going through all the scenarios in my head like a pilot does in any um, situation that they're presented with. You know, where there's there's never a good outcome, but you just have to choose the best one. And uh, so I kept going through the scenarios. You know, what am I going to do if I get furloughed? How are we going to like like your questions you ask? How am I going to pay the bills? How are we going to you know how are we going to maintain our our uh, our bet medical benefits and things like that? You know the really important stuff. And you know everybody's situation is different. Your situation, my situation, uh, financially and 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 um, things we have to to rely on to fall on, fall back on. Everybody's different. Nobody's the same. So you kind of have to you know curtail your uh your your choices to your particular situation and uh you know i've been reading a lot of uh social media um posts from other people and I, it seems like other people just don't get it you know like the, it, it, like you know we sound a lot of people think you know we make a, so much money that we have a stockpile sitting in the bank you know like i have it buried underneath you know the uh the the, the backyard you know, tree. Yeah, my mattress. <laughs> so, I call it Benjamin because it's stuffed with Benjamins. No. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> a couple pennies in the sofa. That's about it. <laughs> right. I mean, we make we make very good money for what we do, but you know, I got to tell you, I don't have uh, six to eight months of cash sitting in in the bank 
uh, for situations like this. I mean, I probably should. I think everybody should. Yeah. You know, you follow the Dave Dave Ramsey thing. I mean, you should yeah. be debt free and never pay. You know, never use credit for anything. Um, but you know, I've I've I had student loans to pay off, flight training loans. Everybody, you know, I've got two girls that are expensive with volleyball, and you know, we're we're we don't have a a ton of debt, but you know, we certainly aren't going to be able to uh, survive on the single family income that my wife makes. Um, and, and she does really good herself. Um, so anyway, yeah, I, I mean, we're, I think we're all in the same boat. Um, you know, a lot of the people that I've spoken with, uh, and reached out to and, and, and had these conversations with a lot of it has to do with these LOAs. Now, legacy airlines has, you know, worked together with our pilot union at the, the, the allied legacy association, um, the ALA. And uh, they've come up with a strategy to minimize furloughs. We've talked a little bit about this before. You mentioned it on the last show. We did get some clarification. I just wanted to make sure. I mean, the time is, is, is come and gone. You know, you've had to have put in your request. But the way they did this is if they didn't offer any LOA, the traditional way that the furloughs work is the company goes, hey, we've had a reduction in, in demand. Uh, we've calculated that we need... X number of pilots that we don't need temporarily for at least a year to 18 months or six months or whatever it is. And, you know, we're going to send out in Legacy Airlines' case 2,500 warn letters, meaning, you know, every pilot that gets furloughed needs to receive a a 30-day notice of a warn letter that there's going to be mass layoffs. So after that, then you have a 30 days notice once you have been determined that you are on the chopping block. So now they go, okay, you're, that's what today is. Today is furlough Friday. Today is the day that the first round of furloughs allegedly is going to go out and the union will contact each individual and say, okay, unfortunately, you know, you've been selected to be furloughed. You can expect to be on the street as of the first. Now, what that number is, nobody knows. The company you know, always is adjusting those numbers until the very last second. So they don't yeah. publish anything. But so let's say out of the 2,500, they, they furlough 1,500 on the first round. Yeah. So that means the bottom 1,500 pilots on the seniority list, the last 1,500 pilots to be hired, end up out of a job by the first in 30 days. Uh, and that's the way it's always been. And it's done in reverse seniority order. But now with these LOAs, they're offering, they're, there are three different LOAs, which actually turned into five LOAs, really, if you, if you think about it. So we had the early out. So you had to have been with the company 10 years, obviously, they're topped out employees that want to retire early. And there's mm-hmm. a little package they give you, financial package and travel benefits and things like that, um, if you leave early. Okay. Then there's the LOAs, which is a letter of agreement. Uh, to leave temporarily until March of 2021 for six months. And you can either select a zero timeline where you're just not on the bid packet. You don't bid. Um, But you can pick up, if a pilot wants to drop a trip, you can pick up that trip. You just can't pick up open time or make up time or things like that. You, You can only pick up through the channels of people either in premium where no one's going to be able to fly that. Uh, so it's, it's, they're paying time and a half for it. And you could pick that up in the window or someone's trying to drop a trip and you can, you can do pilot to pilot exactly. drop, drops and swaps. Yep. Um, 
And then the other one is a 50-50 line, which is one month on, one month off. So on month A, you bid normally, you can fly as much as you legally can fly. And month B, you are off, you are done. It's like a full month of vacation. You're still on the roster. You're still occurring your sick time, your vacation time, credit, your, all that. But you cannot pick up a single trip. You're, you're done. Um, on your off time. Yeah. And the, the medical expenses will be tacked on your next check. So good way to keep your job and stay current. Yeah. Um, but they've offered that to over 3,000 pilots. Now, how many have taken it? We don't know yet. That's not yeah. been published anywhere I know of. I, I think those are actually uh, offered to all the whole pilot group. Yes, but there, there was 3,100 LOAs available. Oh, I see, I see what yeah. you mean. Yeah, yeah. So the company was willing to, to uh, approve. Gotcha. Right. Yeah. So then they offered what they called conditional LOAs. So if you were a pilot that received a warn letter and you were on the potentially furlough block, then you could bid an LOA under conditional rules, meaning don't give that to me, but if I'm going to get furloughed, then I'll accept these LOAs. And you would bid it via a two-part bidding status. What does that mean? That means you don't just go, yeah, okay, I'll take one. You have to go, okay, me living in Los Angeles, I bid, okay, I'll take an LA conditional LOA for the 50-50. If I can't get that, I'll take the zero timeline. If I can't take that, then I'll take a Phoenix 50-50. And if I can't take a Phoenix 50, then I'll take the LOA for the zero timeline and I went on so on and so forth, but I didn't bid everything because I'm not willing to take a zero timeline in New York because how's that going to work? Am I going to have to go get a crash pad in New York yeah. for when I want to pick up or am I going to pay for hotels? all the way across and, the country yeah, in New York so to, to do it. He, here's the problem with that theory. Out of the 2,500 pilots, if not everybody understands the way this works, and they go, well, I'm, I've got 2,000 people under me, like myself. Um, I'll be safe. I'll be fine. You know, the, the company's projecting only 1,500. I should be safe by 500. But these things are offered in seniority order. And if they can't get 3,000 pilots above that line to bid for it, then it goes, it keeps going down the list. And if they still have, say, 1,000 available slots and it gets all the way to the bottom, now it reverses direction and goes back up in reverse seniority order. So the guy on the bottom of the list, the most junior guy or gal, could potentially take a conditional LOA and say, okay, I'll take a, a 50-50 line. And now they're, get, they're one month on, one month off with paycheck every month and benefits. But because I didn't bid anything because I thought I was safe, now I'm furloughed. So That's right. you could be furloughed out of seniority order. So it was, it was very confusing. It, there were many teleconference calls in the past two weeks that I was able to sit in on most of them. And all these questions were answered. But if you're yeah. the type of pilot that shows up to work and doesn't check those emails, you're like, ah, check the, I just want to show up and do my There's job. There's a lot of them. Yep. I just want to be left alone. I want to do my job. I, want, I, I know the rules. I'm going to study when I need to for recurrent. And I'm just going to show up. Well, those questions may not have been answered, and potentially they could be furloughed out of seniority order. Now, the only stipulation to that is when the LOA expires, at least here at Legacy Airlines, the way it works is if the LOA expires March 2021 and someone senior to you is still furloughed, well, now you're fur furloughed too. There's no extension. So 
there's like a six month gap where potentially someone junior to you can be flying and, and you are more senior and you're not. And this is the first time I've ever heard of anything like this happening at any airline in relation to a furlough. So this is pretty groundbreaking. Yeah, it sure is. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I'm kind of anxious, uh, probably like uh, everybody in that 2500 pilot group uh, to see what happens. And, and yeah, the, se- the furloughing out of seniority order, uh, I-, I guess it's it's true, but it's not true, right? Because <laughs> yeah. it's the way that the way that they crafted these LOAs. In theory, yeah, that that seniority is everything. So if you were to get furloughed bottom up, that's how it's been done in the past. But with these LOAs, like you said, uh, it, it it's it's got a there's a whole bunch of different variables that are now thrown into how they select or not select or how they award. Yeah. furloughs and the uh the zero time and the part timeline so man yeah I'm, I'm on pins and needles right now man yeah. i i keep checking my phone for you know the first <laughs> indication of, of of uh what news there is for yeah. today the posts I, on I facebook have been the first crazy day that they're supposed to announce it right yeah today's the first today's furlough friday today's the first day where potentially the phone calls would go out um yeah and, you know, the, some people have said you might get an email first. Uh, so, you know, I've been checking my yeah. emails and nothing there yet. Um, I was wondering, though, real quick before we move on. what I know for the WARN letters, they had to give you an, a 60 or 90 day. Um, depending on the state. You know, yeah. heads up. Yeah, that you live in. Do, does the actual furlough um, notification or furlough uh, call have something attached to it like that, like a 30 day or I believe it's a 30, I believe it's a 30 day notice. That's why they're trying to get them out before September 1st. And if you're going to be in the second wave, then they need those furlough notices need to go out by before October 1st, because there's going to be two waves at legacy airlines, the October wave and the November wave. So why do you think they're doing two waves? Uh, I think they want to see what the numbers are going to be and then go from there. Um, yeah. the union, so that, that's uh, the reason why I asked that Yeah, was because they don't want to like furlough someone and then call them back the in two weeks and go, Oh, well, by the way, well that too. But I think just by the way that they handled this whole situation was kind of fishy to me where they, um, ask everybody to bid, you know, on what they would be willing to do. Right. And then you get that email. Well, I got an email a day after saying okay now that we have all the bids in we're going to figure out how much the company is going to furlough and to me it's like well now that they know how many people are willing to do it for free now they can come up with a number yeah and i believe i figured this out i believe i figured it out okay so if they did the traditional furlough and the company needs to furlough they've calculated you know the bean counters are sitting there in the the room with the abacus and they've figured out they need to furlough 500 people in order to to minute to minimize the loss of of revenue on daily that they're losing how many million 2.6 million dollars a day whatever like that so in order to do that you, you at the end of the day then they they get a number and that's how much they save so they save X number, and it's a hard number. There is no variable in there. By offering LOAs, let's just say the company was only going to furlough 500, and that's what their calculation was, but they sent warrant letters to 2,500. Now, then they offered a letter of agreements to 3,100 pilots. 
And part of that is for every pilot above the line that requests an LOA for either an early out or a zero time line, they'll reduce the number of furloughs by one number. And for every pilot above that fur furlough line that requests the 50-50 line, for every pilot they, that gets that 50-50 LOA, they'll reduce the furlough number by half because right. they're working half the time. So potentially they can get enough people that are senior enough to take a leave of absence that by the way, they make more money because they're higher on the pay scale or more seniority. Yeah. So they're going to save more money by having you volunteer to leave early. So let's just say they get 500 pilots to take the zero timeline for 60 days. And their original number of furlough was going to be 500 anyway. Okay, so now they furloughed the, the, the number of pilots that they didn't need, they've calculated, but they've saved more money because a one-year employee makes much less than a 10, 15, or 20-year employee that takes yeah. an LOA. So payroll-wise, dollar-wise, they're going to save money. The second scenario is, let's say they, they're going to furlough 1,000. Let's just keep it, keep it a nice round number. And they offered the 3,100 LOAs, and they get, let's just say, 2,000 senior pilots to take an LOA and they go, congratulations, guys, you did a great job. We're not going to have to furlough a single person. In terms of PR, that's going to be great for legacy airlines, right? Yeah. Oh, hey, we didn't furlough a single person because our, our pilot group, we're, we're a family and we got together. But additionally, they're going to save now twice as much money, if not three times as much money as they would have if they would have just done the traditional furlough route, because instead of furloughing in this scenario, a thousand pilots, they've now offered voluntary leave of absences for 2000 pilots that, again, make more money because they're higher on the seniority list. So now they're saving much more money offering these LOAs than they would have if they just did the traditional furlough and got rid of the most junior pilots that have only been with the company a year or two. Yeah, that makes sense. I just hope that that whole scenario wasn't a bait and switch on us. Well, you, you know, know what I mean? In terms of business, I, I get it. I absolutely yeah, get it. You I know, because it, it, yeah. it affects the bottom line. And if it makes the company stronger on the tail end of the cyclical downturn, I get it. Yeah, you know? I do too. And if it saves the, the junior guys and gals are the ones that are most vulnerable here. They're the ones that need the money, right? Because they're new to the company. Absolutely. They're, 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 yeah. Some of them have taken a pay cut to come to Legacy Carrier because they were topped and out. They left, yeah, and they left good paying regional jobs or military jobs to come here. I mean, it's just a yeah. bad situation to be in when you're a new hire over here. I mean, even in our situation, it's a yeah. bad situation. Yeah. Very bad. So, so this is what we've been dealing with with we've been trying to understand with, with the questions we've been asking lately at least at on our end of yeah. the globe yeah. and here. all honestly i think also you know from the company's point of view i agree totally everything that you're saying that that all that makes sense because also when when we do return to profitability and 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 it comes time to get back to you know whatever the new normal is um hopefully we're hitting the same numbers that we had before you know, we definitely want to have a good working relationship between unions and the management after all this is done. And if, you know, if there's any, uh, you know, backdoor things going on that, that uh, you know, undermine the whole intent of the LOAs or, or the whole situation, uh, you don't want that to 
resurface itself in future negotiations. Absolutely. And we were ready to, to negotiate a new contract. So right now the company probably wants to play nice. I mean, the bottom line comes first and then the playing nice comes second. And, but yep. you know, if, if they take care of us now, I believe that their strategy is that we'll take care of them when it comes time to renegotiate this employee contract. So yeah, brother. Yeah. But, uh, we're going to cut it a little short today uh, simply because I've got a flight to fly um, later. And we're going to talk about that here in a little bit. Um, and we'll get to, to Rob's uh, schedule here as well. Uh, but before we get into all that, how was your physical? Oh, my physical went great. Uh, <laughs> says no pilot ever. No. <laughs> Do you get a little anxiety before you go get your physical? I mean, isn't that like one of those situations? It's almost like check rightitis where it's like, he might find something wrong with you and now you're medical doubt and you're going to have to get that all yeah. fixed. Um, I used to be a little more nervous than I am today. I have a really good AME. Um, he's me been, too. he's been giving me my FA and I've had over a dozen ME, ME, AMEs in the past because of, I moved around the country and stuff, but, sure. um, yeah. and he's been mine now for about five or six years. And, um, real great guy. Uh, my vision yeah. was an issue because, you know, after 40, you have to start wearing like readers and stuff. Hello. I know. Right. Hello. You um, should have seen me today. <laughs> yeah. I got my, my braces are coming off and I got new spectacles waiting for me at All right. Crafter, Stand so, here uh, and read the line. Yeah. I'm like, I'm going to be, e. a, I'm going to be a new man. No, you know what I do? He goes, can you read the, what's the lowest line you, line you can read? I said the one at the bottom. He goes, okay, go ahead and read it. And I say, M A D E I N C H I N A. <laughs> usually gets a chuckle <laughs> made in china <laughs> nice one yeah so uh so yeah no issues uh your ekg is all good and yeah ekg was good actually the funny thing about the ekg machine was and i i, I feel good about this is when i lay down on the table and they stick all the little sticky things around your your your, your chest there and they hook up the, the wires um the uh, tech starts firing up the EKG machine. They're like, uh, uh Oh, <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, Oh no, what happened? And they go, um, we need your heart rate to come up a little bit. I'm always. like, Oh, thank God. Always. I was like, that's a good problem. Right. <laughs> She's yeah. like, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, do a couple flutter kicks on the, on the uh, table there and get your heart rate up. And yep. then it's, it takes a couple seconds and you're good to go. So. Yeah. Yeah. EK yeah, after forty you you need an EKG once a year, I think, or after forty five. Yeah, something yep. like that. Once yeah. a year. Yep. So, so uh, did that and then yeah. uh, you know, the, the other challenge always is is pissing in the cup, you know, doing it on command. And thankfully I had a whole cup of coffee before I went over there. Oh, you so, do coffee? Oh yeah. yeah. Oh my doc my doctor says when you come in here, don't drink Gatorade and don't drink uh, coffee. He goes, because the Gatorade, because on the P-test, what they're checking for is your, your blood sugar, uh, make sure you're not diabetic. Levels, yeah. yeah, glucose. He goes, so don't, don't have a Powerade and come right in because it might skew the <laughs> test. He goes, in terms of the yeah. coffee, he goes, you don't want to do the coffee because then if your heart rate is Caffeine. up and high blood yeah. pressure. So I usually will, I'll have my morning cup and then yeah, I won't have one until I leave there. And then I have my four other cups that yeah. I actually have. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I had my first cup at six o'clock and then my, my point was at nine. So... I guess I had, had a little chance to run through the system before I got, got to that portion of it. But I tell you what, you know what's so great about my FA uh, physical? I'm not sure how yours works, but mine is like a McDonald's fast food drive-through style 
physical. I mean, I am in and out in less than 15 minutes. Yeah, it takes Wonderful. about yeah about fifteen twenty minutes. Twenty minutes okay. with the EKG for me too. All yeah. right, my, yeah, my, my doctor's I, office. I did is experience small. a um, an examiner, and it was like ten years ago. Man, I was there for like an hour. I mean, it's just like, dude, you know, I can see, you can hear my heart. What's going on? Let's go. Make sure yeah. your your FAA medical guy is not also a flight surgeon because I yeah, did probably... one time in Washington State. I I picked one out. I needed to get one. I was home. And uh, I went, and he was a, he was the FA flight surgeon. That was the most thorough physical wow. examination I've ever had. Uh, he made sure I was healthy. Let's just put it to you that yeah. way. Um, he would tell jokes while he was checking things that even my regular doctor was like, "Yeah, you don't need that check." <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it not yeah, not good. Anyway. But yeah, so my flight this week, uh, or past two weeks, uh, like I mentioned in the onset of the show, I, I've been flying a lot, um, and it's been a lot of red eyes, uh, a lot of reschedules, a couple deadheads in there, full flights on a, the other day I did a deadhead, deadhead Miami to Los Angeles, full flight, absolutely full flight. Luckily, I, I had an exit row with wonderful leg room, and I got to sleep, so, um, but sleeping on the back of an airplane as passengers know as well it's very very difficult to do because especially yeah. nowadays we were on a, a 321 neo the, the new engine uh, model and uh yeah that interior is not the best i like the old school padded seats better than these new really thin padded yeah you know more ergonomic seats they're not very they, yeah. and they don't recline that much so um I started out uh, on the 9th. I flew LAX to, to DFW, DFW to Fort Myers. Hadn't been to Fort Myers since the pandemic. We stayed at the, yep. the Hilton Beach Resort. Carolina coastline oh. was beautiful. Uh, the pools were open. There were three pools there. Out, outside Tiki Bar was open. Um, I, didn't, I didn't partake because I still wanted to practice my social distancing. I feel I have a responsibility as a flight crew member to, to do the best job I can. Um, but... I did get a chance to have a nice meal uh, and watch the sunset. It was, it was great. Next day, we did awesome. uh, back to Charlotte and then L.A. and had to fly home or drive home. And let me tell you, those drives sometimes when you're landing at midnight and you did a two-day trip with all those legs, and it, yeah. it could be daunting. So the dangers yeah, of driving dangerous. tired are, are very real. Yeah, you know, sure. Uh, we did have some excitement the next day, and that's really what I wanted to bring up here. Um, and so we were flying a Neo the next day, LA to Charlotte, and from there we were supposed to go change our planes in Charlotte and end up in uh, Bradley. So we get in the airplane; it's a brand new Neo. The airplane's less than a year old, and it had two MELs for the number one thrust reverser. Now. For those airline pilots out there that may be listening, not a big deal. An MEL, minimum equipment list, these are items that could be uh, inoperative on the aircraft. Uh, usually they're either tagged out, locked out, deactivated, placarded, and put in the logbook, the aircraft maintenance logbook that's required to be on the airplane. If everything is copacetic, it's all been you know, put into the logbook that it's, it's legitimate, you can go with this piece of equipment inoperative. In this case, one thrust reverser was inoperative. There's no penalty on landing because performance numbers do not take into consideration on a dry runway with braking action, good or better, uh, a thrust reverser. So you don't need either one, really, 
to land uh, on a standard uh, assessment runway. So right. not a big deal. Well, I did a walk around, and on these Neo engines, the, the new CFM Leap 1As, uh, I didn't see a pin. If the thrust reverser is MEL, you should verify that the locking pin, which is just an yeah. indicator, it's nothing more than an indicator, it doesn't physically lock anything out, but it's right. on the outside of the engine cowling, and as the pilot performing the pre-flight walk around, you should verify that that pin is in fact installed, indicating that that thrust reverser is locked out and the pilot cannot command reverse yep. thrust from an inoperative system. In I, the proper engine. On the proper, right. <laughs> Absolutely. So I did the walk around. I didn't see a pin. I didn't even see a place for a pin. I was a little bit kind of weary about it. I went back in the airplane. I'm like, did, does the MEL say that there should be a pin somewhere? So the captain and I both read the MEL very thoroughly. It's a two-page yeah. instructions. Nowhere in there did it say for that engine model to verify that there is a pin installed. So I, 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 that just didn't seem right to me. So I went yeah. back out and I took a video and I will post the video in the show notes. There'll be a link. Um, and there was a video of, of where this pin actually was supposed to go. And I found it. It's not a pin. Yeah. It's, it's a red like wire, braided wire. And at the bottom of the engine cowling, there's a spot where this little wire comes out, sticks out about two or three inches, and that's the pin. And it even it's placarded as thrust reverser interlock uh, deactivation so it's not, pin. It's not like right there in your line of sight then no. like most of them are. It's like two feet off the ground at the very bottom at the six o'clock position of the engine cowling. Uh, so I went back in. I said, are you sure that the, a, that the MEL doesn't say verify? Because I found the pin. Here's a video of it. I showed the captain. He's like, oh, that's, that's weird that maybe we'll we'll debrief this and maybe this is something that was overlooked okay but it's in there we know it's in there we're good to go so we push off the gate and we run through the 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 checklist of procedures he says start the number one engine so i start the number one engine that's the first officer's job at legacy airlines and after the engine started on the uh what's the first target on the engine i don't know if it was the n1 target or the or the EPR, but on one of the targets, the very first top target, when you put the engine in reverse thrust, so you, you've, you've pulled the thrust lever past the detent, you'll get an amber box at the top of the engine and warning display that says REV in amber. That indicates to the pilots that the thrust reversers are deployed, but not ready for action. And it usually it. takes a couple seconds for it to turn green. When it's green, you know you have reverse thrust available. And then you can go to maximum reverse or minimum reverse or whatever you deem necessary. Well, that should not be indicated when you're not in reverse. Right. And that engine, it was locked out. And the thrust lever, so we verified it was not in the reverse detent. So that's not right. Anyway, no. So nice, good catch. We ended up uh, contacting MOC. They said, "Yep, go back to the gate. That's not right." So they verified that it was locked out mechanically, and everything was copacetic. And it took about an hour to get all the paperwork finalized. Uh, they added they added another MEL that indicates that the thrust reverser indications are, you know, not reliable, and therefore I forget the exact verbiage, but basically yeah. it said. It's been physically uh, verified. It's locked out. It's not available to you. It's MEL'd, and 
you, you the the indicator on that engine that says reverse is there or not there, it can be mm-hmm. MEL'd. So that's what happens. Judging by your comments, which probably what the original problem was was the indication. So, something to that effect, yeah. Wow. So yeah. we the passengers were back there during boarding. That takes about forty five minutes. Then we pushed off the gate. Took another thirty minutes to get back to the gate. Took another about hour. So there's two hours right there. We were late. Well, we uh-huh. we were removed off the Bradley overnight. So now we're just doing one leg to Charlotte. No big uh, okay. deal. We land in Charlotte. It's a good landing, by the way. Yeah. Go for it. Nice. Get my props. Doing all that, doing all that flying anyway. It's yeah. got to be good. Right. With my eyes closed. And uh, we land, and of course, we're beating these, this thunderstorm into Charlotte. And as soon as we pull in, we're ready to pull into the ramp. They're like, pull into the, uh, the holding bay. <laughs> the ramp is closed. <laughs> like, oh, what? man. Really? So the ramp, when there's a light, there's lightning detectors around the airport. And if a lightning strike is detected, if 15 minutes goes by and no other lightning is detected, then they'll reopen the ramp. The ramp. But mm-hmm. in this case, the ramp was closed. And, but, but Charlotte has the docking system. So you, yeah. the, the DGS, the, the, the docking gate. Uh, system or, or guidance whatever system or guidance like system that, yeah. yeah so you can actually park at the gate with no wing walkers or guidemen because it's all computerized and it tells you left right you know and where to stop and as long as the zone is clear there's nothing in the way you can park and at least you can park right well there was a a, a tug at that gate so they go well hey you know you want to that gate's open you want to try it there's nobody out there to to move the jet bridge right now but you can at least go park so that when they reopen the ramp it's right there sure so we go over there there's a tug uh, so they're like is there something in the way and like yeah there's a tug and no one can come out and move it so like well we got another gate for you over at the d concourse <laughs> like, oh all the are, way over there do you want it captain looks at me he's like well sure so i ask i said is there anything in the way over there <laughs> she goes no 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 it's Good open it's, it's ready so we go all the way oh, over there come on in come yeah on you know in. taxi 10 minutes to get over there and there were two tugs. <laughs> <in the way. laughs> so another hour and a half go by. These passengers were on that airplane for eight hours. Well, you got to imagine the rampers, as soon as they got a, a lightning indication in the area, it got the signal. They just said, I'm out of here. Break time. Whatever, wherever yeah. the equipment is, we're out of here. That's it. That, that's what it they're is. supposed to do safety. for safety. Yep. Right. So, yeah, I mean, we were all legal. You know, no passenger bill of rights was, was taken, you know. Yeah. violated so we were good but man that was between the return to gate the mel i mean that was one that day exhausting. one leg okay and that's i went exhausting. on for an additional <laughs> four days so ouch yeah. yeah so so these are you know if you have variants of aircraft the 319 320 321 321 with iaes 321 with cfms 321 neos with the leap one a's i mean you've got to know all these different variants yeah. And these yeah, are just, just some of the things that we have to contend with on a regular basis. Yep. Same thing with the 737. Just not as not as extensive as you guys. We got the new ones, the old ones, and now they're calling them, what, the Dash 8? The Maxes? The Dash which we 8. we don't have online. Is that what it is? The Dash 8 now? Yeah, the Dash 8. I think that's the new name for it. Yeah.
a little explanation of what's going on. Uh, right after the last portion of the segment, uh, the alarm on my phone went off. It was time to get ready to go fly, and that I did. Um, yeah, ended up uh, packing up all the equipment relatively in a quick order, doing a last check of the room. Uh, the last thing you want to do is leave a cable or wire behind or a cell phone yeah, we've charger all done that at some point yeah. yeah that's the worst i mean the worst scenario is leaving a wallet behind or you know and yes yeah. i've done that too <laughs> but uh <laughs> yeah so we wrapped it up uh and that was uh yesterday and um and rob has graciously agreed to join me he got up pretty early this morning and I did. did some flying what what uh transpired there can you tell us a little bit about that yeah, sure. Yeah, we started a three-day trip today. I uh, got up pretty early at a uh, 5.45 showtime for a 6, uh, 6.45 departure to Denver. Uh-huh. So I started off with a Denver turn um, and went back to Dallas, and then now I'm in Norfolk, Virginia. Norfolk. So, Norfolk, yep. Nice. So it's a... Uh, it's actually a nice day. Good day to fly. Denver was really, really hazy. Have you been in a Denver lately? No, not lately. I, I mean, think, about a month ago. Yeah, I think the uh, fires in Colorado are uh, producing. Oh. Yeah, they're producing a lot of smoke. And man, the visibility in Denver at eight o'clock this morning was close to four miles in just haze. Because of I mean, it was just thick. HZ or FU. Well, it said HZ, but it was the color of FU. Okay. Now, if you don't know what FU is in the aviation world, that's smoke. <laughs> smoke. Yes. So, what what are we talking about? No, we're not being offensive here, ladies and gentlemen. You know what we're talking about is the fact that prior to landing or taking off from any airport, you have to get the the ATIS or the METAR or whatever you get, depending on your, your local airport. And sometimes it's automated, as is most of the time on our aircraft. We have a printer that prints out the weather after we request it. And, uh, you know, it, it's a coded uh, weather information. And maybe someday we'll kind of right. go over all that. But in there, there's codes for haze, which is HZ, right? Right. And then there's one for smoke, which is F. You, which we always as aviators kind of like, where did that come from? Well, it's yeah, it, exactly ladies and gentlemen, it is French, it yeah. means foom. <laughs> foom. foom. What, what about the other ones that are kind of weird to us? What is it? BR, baby rain, mist. Yeah, yeah. baby rain. I always mist. say baby rain. Yeah, mist, BR, <laughs> you know, yep. Yep. You know, whoever whoever decided that those are going to be the codes, right? Come on, right. ladies and gentlemen. Jeez. <laughs> so you had a little bit of uh, haze, some H Z. A little bit of haze. Uh, yeah, yep. and uh, so four miles viz. That's you know not too bad. Yep. Not too bad. Yeah. Yep. Severe clear and four mile viz. So um, you know, not a cloud in sight. But yeah, you know, it's uh, not a big deal for you know all the automation we have in the cockpit there. So we just. Flew a little RNAV RMP approach into uh, Denver, landed on one seven right, which was you know twelve thousand foot long runway, right on the uh, east side of the airport. Landed, turned right in, went to the gate. So non-eventful. 
quick turn, turned it around. Uh, loads were pretty light for the Denver turn. We had, uh, I think we had only about 50 going and about 70 returning oh, wow. back to Dallas. Yeah. However, our flight to uh, no folk, no folk, uh, we were completely full with uh, jump seaters and standbys. So there you uh, go. It, it was nice to actually experience that, uh, you know, that level of, uh, you know, load factor for at least one flight. So um, here we are, Norfolk, got in at about 4.30, got to the hotel about 5, went out to dinner. And uh, it's nice to see things are open down here. Um, of course, people are in the and the businesses are practicing the social distancing. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, you got to bring your mask everywhere. And, uh, you know, the t- you can't quite eat at the bars or anything like that. But, um, you know, you can order, take it back to your table and enjoy it. So the little area we went to, I don't know if you've been down here. It's kind of nice. It's right along the, uh, the harbor front. You got the one little, of the uh, uh, neighbor- mall there. Yeah, 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 we're at the uh, where are we at the Sheridan? Yeah, and uh, yeah, the Sheridan Norfolk waterfront. So it's a really nice view out the back window here. You got a view of the uh, the naval shipyard, a couple of uh, naval warships on dry dock getting worked on, and right down the uh, right outside the hotel, a couple blocks down the street, there's a nice little kind of mall um, restaurant area, and they had some live music playing today, which is nice. Oh, they, that was kind of that's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was great. So you just sat down, sat down in the uh, indoor food court kind of thing, and they had four or five different restaurants and bars that you can order from and bring it back to your table because they didn't have any service, and just sit there and enjoy the uh, live music and have a good wow. dinner. And so, yeah, so it was pretty good. I, I haven't I haven't experienced something like this in quite a long time. Yeah. You know, it's been uh, shoot, it's probably been three months since I've been able to actually enjoy an overnight like this. So. Yeah, it was, it's quite enjoyable. Yeah, and that's great, uh, and I'm really glad that you got to partake in that as well. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, yesterday, uh, you know, we recorded the first half of this episode, uh, and you know, lots of coffee and and kind of go go go. We were on a time crunch. You know, thank you for yeah. uh, for <laughs> bearing with me uh, and trying <laughs> to get all the topics that we wanted to in there. We still have a few to go, and that's why we're doing yep. this uh, like a split day thing. It's all going to be posted here, or hopefully this evening. Uh, but yeah, I, I ended up going downstairs. I saw a couple of uh, Spirit Airline pilots in the lobby of the hotel. We were all waiting for the same van to go take us to the airport. Uh, and we were having a little bit of a conversation about furloughs. And, and you know, yesterday was allegedly furlough Friday. We All of us were That's expecting right. a phone call from our in-flight office or from the union or something uh, right. indicating, you know, who may potentially be furloughed or not because, you know, we were talking about it a little bit yesterday that, you know, they give you a furlough notice, you have 30 days. So from whenever the day they, you know, a minimum of 30 days before your last day at the company and they kind of walk you through the process of what's next and what you need to do and who you need to contact. Um, Right. And they send you an email that has all the packet information on, on what forms you have to fill out. Well, you know, we were talking about that and the FO for Spirit that was down there in the lobby, after a couple of minutes of going back and forth, found out that he has 17 employees under him. That's at, it. That's it. At Spirit. I mean, brand new guy. Wow. The uniform was still 
shiny creased and starched. Chris. It was so cute. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> we were all there, folks. We've all been there. Uh, yeah, absolutely. But, uh, but you know, I, I felt bad for the guy. I mean, I, yeah. I, I, I didn't really feel sorry for myself because I feel like yeah, you know, 20 years into this industry, we, we've both we're still in the same boat yeah we're we've we've been around the block a couple times and and you know and i didn't really press too much on his background and what he was going to do but he was taking it with stride and he's like yeah Yeah. you know we'll see what happens and hopefully this cares act will will continue and you know uh, i've been getting emails uh from a local congresswoman uh here in california and uh Uh you know saying hey you know we're doing our best to get the cares act through and um our union has sent out emails uh saying hey please participate and sending an email to your local senator and congress person and you know asking them hey please pass this cares act to bail out the airlines because our jobs depend on it. Um, so I, yeah. t- I participated in that. Well, uh, no sooner did I get to the airport and get on the airplane, um, got an email. Uh, it came through. I'm sure you got the same one. It said, uh, yeah. furlough Friday is canceled. Canceled. Or no, <laughs> delayed. Delay, yeah. Well, <laughs> no phone calls will be going out from the flight office today in relation to the furlough. Um, yeah, and you got that email too, right? With uh, get back to work. A few of them. I did, I did. I got one. Um, actually, you you notified me initially, so you were my first. Uh, uh, oh yeah. Uh, you know, a notification of of the uh, delay. So that was. Uh, I broke. Uh, the scoop. It was actually. I don't know how I felt. I, I think I text sent you a text message about how I felt when when you when I read that text mess or that email. Yeah. You know, I said, well. <laughs> At least it's good news for now because, you know, you don't have to mope through the weekend <laughs> knowing what, what you know, if it could have been bad news, what, you you know, what your outcome was. So, um, but yeah, we got to wait till Monday now. I mean, they're, they're just, yeah, they're, they're just prolonging the anxiety. <laughs> My favorite meme, know. I saw it about an hour ago. My favorite meme is. Uh, Which one was it? The carousel one. Did, oh, no. I you didn't see it? it? How did like, that go? Yeah. And it says like, friend. Uh, how's everything going with the airlines? Uh, me. Oh, it's pretty much like a a, a carousel merry-go-round. Go, oh, really? That, that's not too bad. You didn't let me finish. And then it has the picture of a carousel burning on, in an inferno on fire going around oh. in circles. <laughs> it's like, hey oh. Yeah. <laughs> well, my favorite gif of the situation, which is kind of how I feel, is a uh, a gif of a uh, really kind of ugly clown and he's uh, he's got a noose tied to his ties a noose to his neck and this sounds bad but you know has a noose tied to his neck and then he ties the other end of the noose to a tree limb however the tree is still really tiny and you know is not very high it's like waist high yeah so he's like pouring water on the tree to get it to grow faster so he can hang himself. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> it's just not growing. And he's like, come on, hurry up already. Oh, that's terrible. <laughs> so that kind of suits my, uh, you know, current frame of mind and situation. Although, you know, I'm not going to hang myself, but it's just, you know, so painful just to, you know, sit there and wait for the news when, you know, it'd be so easy just to say, Hey Rob, Go find another job. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> no, you know, uh, I, I think 
I think we're going to be okay. I know that yeah. uh, the the notice is probably going to go out on September 1st because they have yeah. to get it out, you know, by September 1st for October yeah. 1st. Um, and then they could just say, just kidding, uh, CARES Act 2 just passed, if the company takes it. Now, you right. are showing me something that Southwest has decided that they are not going to take the loan portion of the CARES Act. Uh, so they're turning down yeah. millions of dollars. Yeah, apparently they must be uh, experiencing some kind of uh, increase in service where they feel that the amount that they're uh, getting is going to, you know, offset, you know, the, the you know, the, uh, the debt that they would incur. Mm-hmm. taking the loan so i guess that's that's good news i mean if southwest is going through something like that then hopefully the other airlines would feel the same kind of uh you know return to profitability that they have so yeah and you sent me an article yesterday i have it here i don't know if you have it yeah, pulled up there. trying to find it cnbc it's in the text feed that you sent me uh just real briefly, I'll put a link in the show oh, notes, but an a article from CNBC indicates a couple points. Southwest expects a third quarter cash burn of $20 million a day down from $23 million a day. So that's that's good. There, there's not burning as much, right? Uh, it's said that the third quarter capacity will be down as much as 35% from a year ago, a deeper cut than previously forecasted of no more than 30%. So their capacity is down. Yeah. Um, but the Dallas-based airline said it is declining a U.S. government loan. On Wednesday, they reported that modest improvements in passenger demand this month as vacationers booked last-minute trips despite the coronavirus pandemic. The company is also turning down a $2.8 billion government loan, saying that it can get financing elsewhere. So uh-huh. this is pretty big news. I mean... Is yeah. this, this going to start a trend? Are companies going to say, you know what, uh, it's a better deal if we go without the bailout or without the loans? Yeah, who knows? I mean, they, you know, they said that they're able to find financing elsewhere. They probably have better terms or less strings attached. Yeah, you know, who knows? Maybe another corporation, <coughs> Boeing, <coughs> might be uh, helping them out in some way because of the max situation. I don't know. That's just me speculating, but um, yeah, who knows? That's the, the, the max is that an airplane. I thought I, I've never heard of this max well, seven thirty-seven. You, know, you mean the Dash Eight? Oh, it's the Dash Eight. Yeah, yeah. The, the Max is a fictitious airplane now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> Oh so, man, talk about talk about the laughing stock of Boeing. But you know what? Uh, they're they're gonna, I think, bring it back on the line and uh, you know rebrand it as we were talking about months ago before pandemic news took over everything. Yeah. Uh, and, and to call it a Dash Eight, and I think people are distracted enough right now that they're not <laughs> paying attention. Wasn't there an care. airplane already called a Dash Eight? There was, yeah. Yeah, Dash the, the, the 8, Havlin, Q400, the Havlin Dash 8. Yeah. The Havlin, yeah. So and nobody really is flying those anymore in terms of airlines. So Not that I know of. Not yeah. in the U.S. at least. So, yeah, um, yeah I, I think uh, definitely 7-3-800. Seven, seven, yeah. That's a good name for it, I think. Yeah. But, uh, but I wanted to talk to you a little bit about professionalism. 
No, we've Uh-oh. we've scratched the surface about this uh, in in years past, and and <laughs> after an incident that the NTSB deems that the crew was responsible for, and we as pilots always pay attention to these because, you know, the the running joke is it doesn't matter who's right or wrong; it's always the pilot's fault. Yeah, that's true. And, and yeah. there's a little bit of, of uh, weight to that statement. But recently, I stumbled across uh, some information that I thought was interesting, that I had never seen the FAA get involved in, in such a thing. And they released two advisory circulars earlier this year. Now, what's an advisory circular? According to Wikipedia, an advisory circular refers to a type of publication offered by the Federal Aviation of Administration, that's the FAA, to provide guidance for uh, compliance with airworthiness regulations, pilot certifications, operational standards, training standards, and other rules within Title 14 of the Aeronautics and Space Title. Um, So they're basically referring to the standards that people should be... Yeah, they're suggesting that these are the standards we would like to see and certifications and programs and stuff like that. Right. And the two that that caught my eye recently uh, were both published in March of this year. And it's Advisory Circular 121-42 and 121-43. Now, the first one, uh, 121-42, you can just Google it. It, it'll, It'll come up. And this one is entitled Leadership and Command Training for Pilots in Command. Hmm. So in the past, when you upgrade at a 121 carrier or an airline, commercial airline, uh, usually you had a day of what they called Captain Upgrade School or Captain Charm School or or yeah. something like that. And that was not an FAA-mandated class. It was just the company, you know, figuring out, we're going to have a class to teach you how to be a captain right so yep you know and and you and i've both have been through a few of these classes and they're Mm -hmm. pretty straightforward a lot of scenario based uh topics of discussion and you can't really teach people how to be but you can give them the tools to make command decisions yeah so why is the fa getting involved in this what do you think well i bet you or if i were to speculate uh, it would be due to things that have occurred in aviation history that would uh, had probably damaged an aircraft or hurt somebody in the past, and those situations could have been prevented if the uh, aviators have chosen to use a little more professionalism or um, taken a smarter course of action as opposed to what they uh, you know, whatever they chose to do and ended up in that situation. Yeah. And, and the funny thing about this particular advisory circular, uh, at least the uh, 121-42, is that this, according to the FAA, um, the purpose of this advisory circular is to present guidelines for developing and implementing leadership and command training for pilots in command and second-in-command pilots serving under Title 14 of the Code of Federal Regulations under Part 121 operations that require three or more pilots. These guidelines apply to air carriers, operators, and program managers conducting pilot training qualifications under Part 121. And the 
Advisory Circular presents one way, but not necessarily the only way that air carriers, operators, and program managers may comply with the leadership and command training requirements in Part 121, subpart November. Now, I can keep reading it. It's all, you know, very much legalese, um, but what's the purpose? What's the reason here? Why are they now dictating how we train leadership? You know? Yeah. And, yeah, and like that's... you said, it, I believe it's because of the past incidents. And if you look down under the background portion of this uh, advisory circular, they list a good number of different examples from uh, aircraft incidences as far back as uh, May 9th of 2004 and as recent as the Colgan Air Bombardier DC... Eight or dash eight four hundred um, yeah. that happened in February twelfth of two thousand nine. Uh, yeah, the Buffalo one, the Buffalo yeah. crash. Yeah, we've 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 talked about it a little bit before. Um, I try not to dive into the you know, Monday morning quarterback and disseminating all the accident reports because anybody can. <laughs> there's other podcasts <laughs> for that, um, right. but uh, but it's interesting that the FA is now starting to draw a line in the sand and say, okay, now we're going to have a say on leadership and how you how you yeah. train and and quantify leadership for this environment yeah yeah so it's it's interesting it is it's interesting and you know i you know thinking about my uh my experience in in the industry and leading up to this uh leading up to my uh in you know you know my 121 or or aviation uh airline career sorry for Lots of words there for a second there, but you know I think about it, and you know a lot of the things that go through my head as far as decision making, you know, situational awareness. I, I, uh, I draw upon you know some of the the conversations I've had with other friends and pilots, and you know what you know kind of like what would Jesus do in that moment kind of thing, you know, and to hear what they would say, and um, or you know what they would have done, or you hear a situation that they have been in, and you know the how what was the outcome and you know, I think that a lot of, you know, kind of rehearsal and training and, and, you know, mental flying goes into, uh, you know, that aspect of, of the job, um, you know, so that when you are actually dealt with a situation, hopefully, you know, you've had a conversation similar to what you're experiencing and you can say, okay, well, these guys were successful at it, you know, and this is how they handled it. And this, so this is right. what, you know, I would do. And then that's kind of a train. That's kind of like a training class right there. You know, yeah. uh, when we were, we were at a sandpiper, right. What do they call it? DNR class, right. Mm -hmm. Duties, and, Duties responsibilities. and responsibilities. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So, you know, you go through that class and, you know, you're sitting there in front of a very experienced captain who's, who's, um, you know, hosting the class. And of course you're going through the mundane, um, you know, company op stuff was what the company expects you to do. But then they'll also throw out there kind of like what you were saying earlier is, you know, here's a scenario, you know, what would you do in this situation? And of course you'd have a discussion and, you know, there's always a gray area because, you know, you're either trapped on one side of it with a regulation or a company policy and you're, you're trapped in between another company regulation or policy and you're right in that, that middle gray area. Yeah. And you have to, you know, make a decision and no matter which decision you make, you know, it may not be a good one, <laughs> yeah. but you know, you have to decide which, 
one of the bad decisions that you're about to make is going to be the best one. Yeah. And, um, you know, you got to look at some of these incidents that, uh, that, that the advisory circular references, um, and, and, you know, you got to you sit there an armchair quarterback, like you said, you don't want to do that, but you sit there and you're like, wow, you know, some of these situations that they got themselves into could have been prevented, you know, if, if, you know, whatever the case may be, mm-hmm. but following the procedures and, you know, having some kind of conversation about, Hey, we always talk about it too. We're in a cockpit, right. And Hey, if this happens, this is what we're going to do. You know, yeah. you know, did they miss that part of the brief or they, you know, who knows, you know, that well, they, they brief every day. You get that pre-flight briefing right. in the event of an engine failure. We're going to, you know, do the standard procedure. Okay. Right. Four years yeah. later, you're still briefing yeah. the same damn thing. Same exact thing. So then if you say, yeah. well, what's the standard procedure? Uh, uh, what uh, did you want to do again? Toga, positerate, set max, climb, climb, what? Oh, shh. You know, so it's important to kind of go through these procedures. And it's interesting, the difference between 42 and 43 on these advisory circulars, um, there's not much difference. They, they, I think one's for like multi-crew and the other is just for a two-man crew, Mm -hmm. like we're used to. But the interesting about this is that they introduce terms that I have not really heard before. Uh, Terms like normalization of deviance. Hmm. Normalization of deviance can generally be described as a gradual process during which non-standard practices or actions become the norm through repetitive application with no corrective action. The number one thing, and I'm sure that anyone listening, including the FAA inspectors that may be listening to the show, will agree. The number one normalization of deviance, what do you think it is? Uh, I can't speculate now. I don't know. What is it? I, I'm willing to put money on it. It's it's a sterile cockpit violation. Sure. Yeah, you that's know. probably one of the most and, common ones. And what is sterile cockpit? Below 10,000 feet when operating an aircraft, you will only discuss what is pertinent to that flight in that particular phase of flight. You're not yeah. talking about what you and the kids did last week. You're not talking about that 1968 Camaro that you're about to buy on Craigslist. You're talking <laughs> about the flying. Yeah. You're talking about, yeah. you know, looking for traffic and, and you can ask questions and talk about things in pertinence to that phase of flight. It's not like you're sitting there completely sterile and not saying a word. Right. You know, well, I, well, I saw you didn't raise the gear when I called for it, but I, I was kind of yeah. just waiting for you to. No, you. Of course, you're gonna, you're going to speak up. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. normalization of deviance. We're all guilty of it at some point or another yeah. for one aspect or another. But yeah. it's interesting that now the FAA is paying attention to these things, and now they're documenting yeah. this uh, occurrence yeah. at an air carrier operator program manager. Um, uh, prevention of normalization of deviance, and they go through all these examples. Um, so. Interesting terms, new terms to kind of contend with. Um, yeah. And I think, you know, uh, Legacy Airlines has a great training program in place to kind of, you know, I wouldn't say prevent this kind of things, but to minimize, you know, this, the term that you're using, the normalization of deviance, you know, with the threat, threat and error management program that they have, you know, traps it traps all the errors and, and threats with the policies, procedures, checklists, 
um, you know, call outs and all that stuff. So hopefully, uh, going through all those, um, levels of, of safety, hopefully, uh, traps any errors or, or mistakes that we make. And, you know, it, it, it works, it works for, you know, everybody pretty much uh, as long as you're, uh, you know, your head's in the game. Um, so it's, it's nice that we have it, but obviously there's a worldwide problem <laughs> with this. Yeah. So, well, we have know, a like lot the, going on. It's almost a really weird coincidence that this came out in March and sure. what happened in April. Oh yeah. Right. Yeah. So sure. here we are in March going, well, we have new terms coming at us from the FA advisory circular, like leadership command training, SOP drift. Drifting yep. from standard operating procedures, uh, yep. normalization of deviance, all these, all these new kind of terms that, that have been thrown out. And then the pandemic happens. And of course, we're distracted, you know? Oh, yeah. Furlough Friday. Yeah. I, you, know, you think I would, I, I mean, when it came down to it, I got in the airplane and I did my job. You know, we flew. And, and by the way, that was an interesting last day of that trip i had two three-day trips back to back so it was day six of flying and like like we mentioned earlier uh i got to the airport and i received an email as we were getting to the airport saying furlough friday's canceled guys congratulations (laughs) so that took a little bit of a load off reduced the stress uh you know value uh, and then I, I, I also, and I knew a couple of days in advance, but I also knew it was going to be a long day because we were in Orlando. We were going to Philadelphia, mm-hmm. land in Philadelphia and the flight Philly to LA, which was my last leg, the go home leg, right? That mm-hmm. anything that can go wrong will go wrong. Well, it canceled. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh yeah. So they deadheaded me from Philadelphia to Chicago. Oh, what a pain. Okay. And then I swapped air, aircraft and went to a different gate, and I deadheaded again from Chicago to Los Angeles. Did it the hard way. So I was a passenger and, you know. Had to wear the mask for yeah. two flights. Well, oh. well, you know who was my, uh, well, yeah, that's another topic. I, I wore that mask for, you know, like 10, yes. 11 hours. Yeah. I mean, uh. Yeah, you can't take no it break. off. You know, Cabin it, altitude. And you're in uniform, yeah. you're deadheading, and people yeah. looking at you like, oh, I'm going to take your yeah, picture and put it on YouTube. the whole time. Right. Yeah. So it was not a big deal. I did get a couple, you know, meal breaks in there. Went to Burrito Beach in Chicago, one of my favorite. Yeah. Most pilots uh, take a stop at Burrito Beach once and again. Um, but Absolutely. then I get to the gate in Chicago on my way back to take this late night flight back to L.A. And guess who was flying me there? Remember Captain Chris from Honolulu? Oh, yeah? Yeah. Really? I saw him at the gate. I'm like, dude, what's going on? He's like, hey, man, how you doing? Uh, Yeah, good. It's all (laughs) podcast. You know, good job. (laughs) (laughs) We were talking for a little while, and and, uh, it was really cool to catch up with him and and his ZFO is looking at me like, uh, you want to you want to fly? I don't, I'll just go sit in the back. I'm like, no, no, thank you. I got a first class seat. And uh, yeah. oh, good. Yeah. What that did helps. I do? I I edited the first hour of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Stayed busy. That's Stayed good. busy. Yeah. So, Makes the time go by faster. Yeah. That that four hour flight flew by pretty quick. Um, and yeah, got landed in L.A. about midnight and, and very tired, but 
made it home yeah. listening to uh, one of my favorite podcasts on the way home. I don't listen to music anymore in the car, it kind of, especially when you're tired and you're late and it's, you know, mm-hmm. suits the savage beast in me and makes me <laughs> kind of drift off into la la land. So I, I was listening <laughs> to the, uh, the no agenda podcast with Adam Curry and John C. Dvorak. Uh, yeah, really I do enjoy listening that to some of those. Yeah. I like those guys. Those are good. Yeah. They're they, good. they really open up your perspective on what's happening in the world. Um, yeah. By asking questions and, you know, they're, they're right yeah. there trying to call BS on the BS. Yeah. Yeah. You giving know? it to you straight for sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's funny. So that was it. I mean, your day just got started today. And what, what kind of a trip are mm-hmm. you in the middle of? Is it a two day? So t- three day trip. Um, tomorrow we, we fly uh, Norfolk back to Dallas. Actually, tomorrow's the easy day. Norfolk That's to Dallas. said. And then Dallas to Tulsa. So we get to Tulsa at like two o'clock tomorrow afternoon and we're off for the rest of the day. So that's going to be an easy day as long as we don't have any weather, <laughs> which I think they're kind of forecasting a little bit. I think you'll I be see... done the day before that. It's supposed to hit the, uh, yeah. the 2020 twin hurricanes. Yeah. Oh, man. What, what next, man? Jeez. So and you have you have that to look forward to. You have the the twin hurricanes, the 2020 twin hurricanes that are supposed to make landfall yep. here on Tuesday in the Gulf Coast and hit uh, Austin and and that whole area is is yep. in jeopardy. I mean, look out. <laughs> They're coming for you, buddy. But you're going to yeah. be off that day, right? I'll be off Tuesday, thankfully, but only Tuesday. Get done <laughs> Monday. Um in the afternoon. So tomorrow we spend the night in Tulsa and then Monday, my schedule says Tulsa to Charlotte, Charlotte, to Richmond, Richmond, to Dallas. So not too long of a day, but, um, you know, got, got some flying to do then, but then I get a day off, which is Tuesday. And I think that's the day that the storms are supposed to at least impact, um, you know, the, the Gulf area there. Mm-hmm. And I, I go back to work Wednesday. And Wednesday is uh, going to be a pretty long work day. Got to fly from DFW to Puerto Vallarta, Mexico, head back to DFW, and then end up in Nashville. So that could actually, uh, I, you know, we'll probably be flying over everything. It probably won't affect us too much, but uh, headed up to Nashville, you know, that has potential to encounter some weather from the system and all that stuff. So we'll see. When do you have to go back? That's a good question. I don't. On Tuesday, I will be commuting to the big D, F, and W. Oh, yeah? I don't know if that's going to happen. Uh, But, yeah, on Tuesday, I'm supposed to be going down to the Death Star uh, to get some training. Oh, okay. Uh, I've got my R9. uh, Oh, okay. I'll I'll be kind of uh, taking notes on what transpired in my r9 training i'm a little nervous as we've kind of discussed before whenever you go down for recurrent training you want to do your best and you know you want to study but it's kind of hard to study something you should know mm-hmm. already so yeah. i i've got a couple notes um there's a great resource that i uh, was told about years ago and and i've been using it it's called airbusdriver.net i believe um or dot com uh mm-hmm. Air, airbus driver uh and they have great study tools there. Uh, they they have the lowdown on particular scenarios and systems and flashcards and things like that. So 
I'll be doing some studying here in the next, uh, well, 72 hours until I get down yeah. there. And I'll do one day of ground school, uh, primarily focusing on systems and uh, uh, joint. Do they still do the joint class with the uh, flight attendants and the? And all I of believe them? that has been um, delayed or postponed until we get past the COVID stuff. I think we're doing it now just as a. Uh, Standalone, you know, yeah. standalone group group stuff. So yeah, so that's. But that's, I'm not. I'm not 100 sure though. Yeah, so that's what basically we do on the first day. Second and third day, we do the simulator training maneuvers mm -hmm. uh, and go around single engine go arounds, uh, hand flown uh, yeah. approaches, standard with, stuff, standard yeah. stuff. Yeah, so V1 cuts, all EPG, the goodies, GWS, right? And, right? Yeah, and then on day two we do the what is it the uh, LOE loft uh, yep. environment. So you do yep. like a short flight. It's supposed to be like a real time, no pausing mm -hmm. the sim, no freezing anything. And you get an emergency or, or a non-emergency or a non-normal situation. And they just want to see how you react to it. And, and so that I'll take notes and, you know, maybe we can do a little uh, topic yeah. on, on training and, and what's expected at a 121 carrier on the next show. So. Yeah. My, my, uh, my R9 is in November, so uh, still got a few months to go. But, yeah. yeah, I hear we're going to a 12-month cycle. You heard that? No. Really? Yeah, once you, you'll probably, uh, they'll probably talk about it, or may, maybe they'll bring it up, but if not, you may want you may want to ask them about it. I think we're uh, supposed to be going to a 12-month cycle next year. So I think, you know, you're going to do your R9 this year, and then I think you're going to come back for your R18 next year. Hmm. And then I think that may initial initiate the 12 month cycle, uh, starting yeah. next month, next year. So I'm not a fan of the 12 months. I like the yeah, idea of not too long. being down there, but I think nine months is good. What, what did we have at Sandpiper was six months cycle, right? Six months for captains. Yeah. Even with yeah. the AQP. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, to, to, yeah. to, be trained and refreshed on emergency procedures that hopefully you'll never have to deal with on the flight line. Yeah. I think it just makes you a better pilot. So I got yeah. a problem with more, yeah. more recent uh, training than, than further. Yeah, apart. me too. I do like the nine month cycle though. That, that seems to be a, from what I have, you know, from Sandpiper, the nine month cycle seems to be just a good, you know, uh, a good, separation of, of training events yeah just long enough where you're not completely forgetting everything mm -hmm. uh, but not short enough where you're like oh gotta go back to the sim and study up and everything yeah. kind of like we were on the six month cycle right so yeah but it's always fun anyway going back there and get getting the, <laughs> getting the book thrown at you <laughs> yeah for sure and, so and we've talked about that before you come out of that simulator and you're just <laughs> exhausted your mind yeah. is melted yeah but yeah. you feel good when you're done and you you know it's over with and you know you're headed home and you're like yeah hey they threw everything at me and we handled it well you know didn't yeah. crash the sim or anything like that yeah yeah, and, and yeah. you know and i'll be paying attention when these uh potential furlough notices come out i if I end up getting a phone call five minutes before I go into the simulator, I'm like, I'm not fit for duty. Yeah, we're not a mission. Yeah, we're not emotionally ready to go. Yeah, yeah that's you know, true. Yeah. So hopefully that. Yep. Yeah. yeah. One last thing I did want to get to. Uh, Donnie from Oakland wrote in. We have, uh, you know, 
listener feedback, and I love it. I awesome. Love it. So Donnie from Oakland writes, uh, yeah, I'm a private pilot currently working on my instrument rating, and I've been flying as my finances permit, which means I sometimes go a month or two between lessons. It seems that I spent over half of the following lesson – uh, flight lessons, reviewing the skills from the previous lessons, which seems to cost me more money than if I were to just maintain a steady flight schedule for training. Is there a way you guys have found to minimize the issues with your past students? I really enjoy hearing about the stories from the flight line and all of your experiences. Keep up the great work. Thanks, Donnie. Well, thank you for uh, writing in, reaching yeah. out to us. I appreciate that. Thanks, Donnie. What do you think, Rob? Uh, is there a benefit yeah. to just kind of knocking it all out or in, in getting a loan or is it better to kind of go as you can yeah that that you know that's that's a hard question to answer really i mean ideally um if you can just power through your training all at once i think you um you would get more out of it you know what i mean uh, i would think it, it's it all makes sense and you know it, it flying is a depreciable skill you know, let's face it, if you don't do it often enough, you know, you're going to lose, lose, uh, lose the touch. So the more you can do it, um, it you're going to get better at it quicker. And the knowledge portion of it, uh, is, is also, uh, that, that diminishes over time too. You, you know, there's a reg out there that, you know, there's a, a, you know, limitation or something that, that, that you have to abide by, but the longer you, you go between flights and you don't, you know, regurgitate or have to use it, you tend to forget it, even though, you know, you know, it's there. So, um, but you know, you're dealing with a, a very common issue, I believe, you know, with a lot of students in training that, uh, you know, financing and, and, you know, going a long time between flights. Um, I would, you know, if I were to make a suggestion and this is, you know, strictly if, you know, I had a little bit of money or I, or I had the, had the ability to obtain a loan, I would get a loan and just knock it out. Um, I think you would probably save a lot more money doing it that way. Um, because, uh, you know, the cost of retraining certain aspects of flight training is expensive in itself. Um, so if, if, but if that's not the, if, you know, if that's not possible, you know, the, the best way that, you know, the second best thing would be, I would say just to stay engaged as much as you can, you know, YouTube videos are great. There's plenty of lessons out there. And even if you're just uh, mentally chair flying, you know, some of the lessons or watching somebody else do it, um, at least your, you know, your, your, your cognitive portion of your brain is, is focused on, on what's happening. And, you know, you actually, you, you actually learn a lot more from observing, um, than actually flying. Oh, I wouldn't say you learn a lot more, but you do learn a lot from observing, um, other people do things and other people make mistakes. Um, then if you were to go out there and try to do it yourself with a flight yeah. instructor. So I don't know, that's, if that helps, hopefully, uh, um, you know, that, that's some good, hopefully that, that you can use some of that advice, but Hey, good luck to you, man. I really do wish you all the best. And, you know, I, even though with everything that's going on in, in the, the world, when it has to do with uh, the pandemic and things slowing down, I still think there's a big future for you, uh, whether you do general aviation, um, flight instructing, or if you just get your private pilot's license and, you know, want to fly yourself somewhere, you know, it's, it's, it's such a great job or it's a great thing to do general aviation. And, 
airline flying. So yeah, I yeah, wish you all the best. Yeah, you brought up a great point that I had not uh, thought about for a long time. So everyone's, you know, my opinion is that everyone's financial situation is a little bit different. Uh, for sure. some people, getting a, a loan is not too big of a deal, especially if you have co-signers or parents that can help co-sign or, um, you know, family members that can help out. Um, mm-hmm. Sometimes you don't have that and really getting a loan with a interest rate that might follow you around for a decade or two, uh, that could yeah. be difficult. And so, sure, you know, if, if you're forced into paying as you go, which there's nothing wrong with that, it's just no. know that it's going to take you a little bit longer. And if you're young, you know, you're in your 20s and you're, and so it takes you a couple of years to get all your ratings, no big deal. Don't be in a right. big rush. Don't, don't, you know, no. sign, uh, sign with blood on a contract that says, oh, you got to pay back $125,000 and it starts the day you graduate. And that doesn't guarantee you have a job at that point. So you can make life a little bit difficult, especially at a crucial time when you're trying to, you know, be a new hire somewhere and not making much money. So it's a balance, but yes, it, it is definitely, I think, cheaper in the long run to just kind of pull the trigger save up, pull the trigger, pay as much as you can and get a loan for the rest of it. Um, especially if you're getting a quality education out of it as well. Uh, Absolutely. At, at yeah. college. But you mentioned something that is key and I don't want to skip over it. You said observing is a great way to learn. And I absolutely preached that to all my students back when I was a flight instructor myself. Uh, your flight instructor hopefully has more than one student, right? Let's say they have six students at any given time at different levels. Well, I'm, if you're, especially if you're an instrument rated student, sit in the back of an airplane is free, yep. you know, and you can even say, Hey man, uh, do you have other students that are somewhere around where I am that I can, you know, observe if they don't mind? Usually flight instructors are like, yeah, no problem. And you say, yeah, I'll buy you a burger or something afterwards for yeah. it or, or, or I'll, I'll I'll bring the, the soda or something um, mm-hmm. or the snacks and you sit in the back and that's where you get that wide angle view of everything that's going on. Now your hands aren't on the controls obviously, and you have to be respectful and quiet and, and not be a burden to the training that's happening. Cause some people, they just get nervous during training and, and having someone overlook them, but uh, could create a problem. But being a yeah. student, your instructor should at least offer that if, if yeah. that's not available, maybe there's yeah. another instructor at the flight school that has a student somewhere yeah. around where yeah. you are and you could just ask them, Hey, do you mind if I, you know, observe, uh, your lesson? Is that okay? I mean, I wouldn't be yeah. observing during spin training or anything like that. Yeah. But, <laughs> yeah. but Which I would imagine also that, you know, within reason, you know, no reasonable instructor would ever decline you on that. Uh, you know, as long as they're, you know, you meet the limit, you can not exceed any limitations, obviously for weight and, right. you know, and all that stuff. But, uh, you know, and you may even be able to uh, buddy train with somebody, mm-hmm. um, you know, work something out with an instructor and, um, you know, another student who's, you know, in a similar situation and maybe share some instructing time, ground school time, or, uh, you know, even some flight time, you know, going up, you know, swapping seats at a, at a, you know, at an out, here I am going to say outstation, <laughs> yeah. you know, at, a, at another airport and mm-hmm. flying back and sharing the time. Split with the, the cost of training. If one student flies, you know, say Phoenix to Tucson and you get there, you, you, you gas up or do whatever you got to do, grab a, 
grab a bathroom break and a drink and then get back in the airplane. And now student yeah. B gets in behind the controls and student A observes and they fly back. Yeah. So you're getting kind of a, yeah. you know, paying yeah. for half of it because yeah. when you're observing, obviously you're not paying yeah. anything. And, but, and observing is, is uh, you know, you we were talking, you talked about it and, you know, in, in our environment, we're actually required in our, at our, at, at legacy airlines, when you go through training to observe, what is it? Four flights? Is it? it de- yeah. It depends uh, on, uh, depends four on flights the... minimum, I think, and two need to yeah. be domestic. And if you're internationally called two need to be international. Right. So, I mean, that's part of our program and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, so it's, it's a good thing. You know, you can see, uh, as you got a different perspective sitting in the jump seat or the back seat or, uh, you know, sitting in on the right seat, swinging the gear. You know, that's also another thing. You know, if there's somebody out there that has their own airplane and, um, you know, they may not be a CFI or anything necessarily, but, you know, hey, can I sit right seat and swing the gear for you or work the radios? Um, you know, some if there's somebody in your in your airport um, willing to let you do that. You know, that's also a good way to at least stay engaged. You may not be able to log the time. Um, but you know, it's a cheap way to get flight time, flight experience. And that way, when you go back to your instructor and you have to actually go through a lesson, you do have that recency of experience, which is all, you know, that's very important. Yeah. Yeah. Networking. That's all what it comes down to. Networking. Yeah. And then that pilot that you were swinging gears for, just to get the experience of being there, uh, gets a job and then they go, Hey, uh, Tony, why don't you yeah. put your, give me your application. You got an application ready? Always have an application ready, Absolutely. especially at the beginning of your career, have your hours updated, your logbook balanced correctly to the best of your always. ability. And, and yeah, always have that ready to go. Uh, or at least, I mean, nowadays if you have it in your phone, you can email it immediately. Yeah. The e-logbooks so, are awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Electronic logbooks are yeah. awesome. So, Donnie, I hope uh, that does answer your question. Uh, definitely look into if you're still going to be, you know, flying, you know, once or twice a month uh, in between those flights, space it out. Uh, see if you can observe or, you know, go from there. Um, yeah. But hopefully that. Good luck, Donnie. Yeah, definitely. Let us know how it goes. Yeah. Well, uh, that pretty much wraps up episode 53. I know it's getting late over there uh, and you have a pretty early kickoff yeah so. they they even turned the lights off here at the naval base so it's getting late just kidding <laughs> <laughs> they, t- they turned the gas uh off on Saturday, the gas lamps so. <laughs> on the weekend yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. well i hope you're enjoying squawk ident i, I know that uh, we uh, really do enjoy chit-chatting every week and getting together and and getting the word out about this wonderful aviation career the best thing you can do to help us out is by leaving us a review about the squawk ident podcast on your favorite podcast app or you can share the actual podcast with a friend uh, spread the word we appreciate reviews and feedback like we got from donnie today uh, you can also send us audio feedback right there on the website under the contact us tab there's a way through uh, through that app that I had posted on there. You can send us like a 90-second audio. You could also record something on your phone and just email it. Uh, you can email it directly at uh, aviatortony. Uh, or at gmail.com. That's uh, alpha, Victor, the number eight, Romeo Tango, Oscar Nova, Yankee at gmail.com. Um, or you can go right to the website and click on the link there. You can also find on the website audio archives, photos from the flight line, our pilot shop, 
and our guest book photo tab where you can see images from some of the many guests that we've had on the show. You can also contribute to Squawk Ident financially. And right there on the homepage on the bottom, uh, you can send us either a one-time donation or a recurrent contribution. That would really help us out with equipment and marketing expenses to try to get the word out. Uh, we have been talking a little bit about a get-together as soon as this pandemic is over. We would love to have a meetup. More than likely, it's going to be at least the first one. Uh, we're planning on having it in Southern California, maybe in Santa Barbara area. And, Absolutely. Uh, and then from there to an air show near you, once I can get this uh, trailer retrofitted and a little mobile sound studio going and that. Uh, but yeah, we're excited. The future is bright when it comes to podcasting with us. Uh, we do hope that uh, we're giving you some value out there. We do like the value for value model, and that's what we're trying to, to give you out there. And we're also always looking for sponsorships. So uh, if you know anyone who's interested in contributing, or we'll be more than happy to, to help with your company as well. Facebook and Instagram users can search Squawk Ident Podcast or YouTube and Twitter fans can also look at Aviator Tony and Squawk Ident to follow on those socials. Well, I want to just wrap it up by saying thank you for taking the time to listen to these grateful aviators. Keep the dirty side down out there. Stay safe and take care of each other. See ya. Later. Later.